Some 2,000 years ago, there were those like us who recognized the need of a touch of God on their land and with their people. They prayed a similar prayer, used their own words, but they had the same desperate spirit. And they were crying out for God to come. They were looking for the coming of the Messiah. Unfortunately, many of those missed that Messiah, not realizing that Christ was the one. But yet they still had that in their heart. They knew that the only hope for their people and for the world at that time was an, an invention of God, an intervention of God. Uh, and he came in the person of Christ. But we need that same intervention now. Do I have a witness on that? And I was sharing with them in the early service that the more I study the scriptures related to the prophecies of the last days as I prepare each week for um, our evening Bible study together entitled Signs of the Times, that I am becoming more and more desperate in my spirit to cry out uh, for God just to pour out his amazing grace upon us. Because I believe with all of my heart at this time in my life and in this, my understanding of scripture as it is right now, that could change as God teaches me and reveals his word to me. But I believe that this world is headed in one of two directions. Either right around the corner there is going to be an outpouring of a great awakening of the spirit of the living God. Or right around the corner there is going to be the pouring out of a strong delusion upon this world. Now Paul talks about this delusion in his letter to the Christians in Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonica and in chapter 2. And what really just burns my heart about this delusion is I, is I cry out on behalf of our families. I'm thinking about my children, even though they're adults now and have their own families. They, they, I, I consider what their life is going to be after I'm gone and to be with the Lord unless he comes while I'm here. I think about my grandchildren, what kind of world they're going to face. I think about the body of Christ as we move to the end of the age and the level of persecution begins to grow exponentially against those who stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I think about those who are lost because once you are seduced into this strong delusion, the only thing left for you is judgment. And so my heart just cries out for the incredible, amazing grace of God, whether it's through a great awakening or this, to deal with this, this delusion that is coming, we're going to need the incredible grace of God. But we need God's people, that's you and I, to, to be crying out earnestly, praying with all of our heart for these things. But here's the truth I want to draw you to today. As we think about the need, we think about being able to pray and call out to God, and that is this. It's not just about praying. As important as it is to be praying, but we need to be praying in a manner in which we know we're confident that the Lord is hearing our prayer and intends to answer that prayer. And sometimes those two do, have, do not mesh because there's certain prerequisites that need to be taking place in our lives. So I want you to look with me at Second Chronicles chapter 16 and in verse 9 because what is God really looking for? 
I'm talking to you as brothers and sisters in Christ, we the people of God, and what is he looking for in our lives so that he can respond when we're crying out, we're desperate, we're pleading with God uh, to come and, and touch our lives with his amazing grace and touch our country, touch this world. What is he looking for? Well, Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, the scripture gives us that answer. It says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And so the Lord God has his eyes upon us all. The scripture tells us that he has his eyes upon us all and he's looking. He's looking for specific people. He's looking for those, he says, whose heart are completely his, not partially his, not sort of his, but whose hearts are completely his, and they are the ones that will receive his direct divine support as they call upon him in prayer. Well, who are these people? Well, these people are those who understand, listen carefully, they understand the expectations of God, of our Lord. I've received Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Now I'm a child of God and I'm a follower of Christ. And there are certain things that the Lord expects of us now that we claim and proclaim that we're been born, we have been born again and we're part of the family of God. We're part of the kingdom of God. There are things he expects of us. We have been actually exploring the answer to that question. What does he expect for several weeks now? And I know we missed one here and there. But we've already begun to find the answer to this. One of the first things we looked at, if you remember, is we looked at, well, he's just looking simply for an obedient spirit. You know, those who will, uh, will do exactly what he asked them to do when he asked them to do it and with a, a grateful and a glad heart. And then we saw when we've been in the study in John chapter 15, so now I want you to turn your Bibles there because we're going back to that chapter, John chapter 15, that the Lord not only is looking for an obedient spirit in us, but he's looking for a fruitful spirit in us. And you may recall, I just want to make sure I draw everybody back into our train of thought in this passage of scripture, but... He uses a word picture of a vineyard. He said, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My heavenly father is a vine dresser and his responsibility is to do what needs to be done, whether it's through discipline, whether it's through discipleship, to make sure that we, the branches, are bearing fruit. What kind of fruit? The fruit of righteousness. Righteous attitudes in our heart. Choosing to involve ourselves in righteous activities. Choosing when, quote unquote, life happens. You know what I'm talking about. You know, side of blue is not always good. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's ugly. But choosing to respond to those things in a righteous way. And so he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and you are to bear this kind of fruit. Well, in the middle of this word picture, of a vineyard, he gives an amazing promise. Don't you look at it with me? An amazing promise. It's found in verse 7. Look at it with me. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, listen to this, just ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. 
Really? Just ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you? Now, my first reaction sometimes to a, to a statement like that would be, that sounds too good to be true. Well, yeah, we're promised a lot of things, you know, through advertisement and a lot of things in this world where uh, people are promising us things and, and we look at it, red flag goes up, nah, no, that's too good to be, don't go down that road. We know that's too good to be true. But see, that's from the world. This is from the word. And it's from the living word, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I give you this amazing promise. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. So how can he say that? Well, you got to understand, you got to look obviously at the full verse of everything that he says here because as it is with most promises of God, there are some prerequisites, of course. There's our responsibility, the things that need to be true of our lives so that he can say to us, hey, just ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. So what are those prerequisites? So that's what I want us to look at. And so let's look back at verse 7. And I want you to notice two prerequisites. Two prerequisites to be able to have this promise, this incredible promise, a reality in our lives. He says the first prerequisite is to abide. He says if you abide in me, if you abide in me, in me. Steve, will you do me a favor? Will you cut on the lights? I, I don't want to stay behind this. <laughs> I want to move around a little bit. All right, thank you. What does he mean by that? If you abide in me. He's using this word picture. Remember the word pictures of a vineyard. So he's talking about a vine. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branch. And he says, the branch needs to abide in me. What was he saying there? He's talking about that connection I mean, this is practical. Just think about it. That connection where the, where the branch is connected to the vine. Because he says in verse 5, let me just go back up to this verse just for a second. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Listen to this next phrase. You can see it up there. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That means absolutely nothing. The branch has no resources in and of itself to exist, to have foliage, to grow, much less bear fruit. It must be connected to the vine. Because it's there where it abides with the vine. It connects to the vine. The sap of the vine, vine flows into that branch. And with that sap, all the nourishment that branch needs to exist, to grow, to have foliage, and to bear fruit. Now the key is how strong is that connection and how healthy is that connection. 
the branches that have the, the, the larger connection to the vine and has a healthy connection to the vine, they're going to grow exponentially. They're going to bear fruit exponentially. Those branches that are not quite connected as they should be, they're not as healthy in their connection, they still struggle. They get enough nourishment to live. They get enough nourishment maybe to have some foliage, maybe to grow a little bit, but they're not going to bear very much fruit. It's all about that branch abiding in the vine. Now, that's the word picture. He's talking about himself. He's talking about me and you and our connection with him. He says, you need to abide in me. I call that living in his presence. What do you mean by that? It means that I take my life and I want to connect. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. I want to connect every facet of my life to the vine, to the Lord Jesus. Why? He's my source. I'm telling you, without that connection through the Holy Spirit in my life, I can't live the Christian life. I I can't bear fruit. I'm going to be just like everybody else in the world. So I want to live in his presence. That is, I want to take every facet of my life and make sure it is directly, cleanly connected to Jesus my Lord, and my Savior. Because in every area of my life where there is not a strong and healthy connection, I'm going to struggle. If I don't have a, if I don't give the facet of my relationship with Kathy to the Lord as husband and wife, and, and I don't make sure that I am drawing from his resources what he teaches me, what the Holy Spirit, I can't be the husband to her that God has called me to be. I'm going to struggle there. I'm not going to be bearing fruit there. And I can take every facet of life, every relationship in my life, every where I work, and the connection of my work, I connect it to Jesus. Every member of my family, everything that I'm doing, I want to live in his presence where he is giving me what I need to bear fruit in that area of my life. This is why some of you, there's some areas you're just struggling with. You don't know why. Some other areas, you're, you know, you're bearing fruit. It's because we want to connect maybe this part to the vine and this part of our life to the vine, but not every facet, not every part. And in those parts we don't, it's not healthy and we're not getting what we need and we're struggling and we're not bearing fruit. So we got to learn to live in his presence, consistently keeping our connection with Jesus strong and healthy. Live in his presence. It's kind of have that heart's desire that, that uh, uh, the psalmist talks about in Psalm 42 and in verse 1. I'm just going to read this and then we're going to move on, but... Uh, he says in Psalms 42, the psalmist writes, As a deer paints, pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. 
just surrendering it all to him. So that's the first. He said, I need you to abide by living in my presence. I need a strong, clean connection with me. Secondly, not only that we need to abide in his presence, but we need to abide uh, in his precepts or by his precepts. Go back to John chapter 15, verse 7. Notice that he says, if you abide in me, and then he adds this, and my words abide in you. What does he mean by that? Well, it's back to where we started. What are his expectations? We said first and foremost above everything else is that we have this obedient spirit. When you know a truth, you choose to live that truth with a grateful and a glad heart. Now, not all of us know the same truth. We're all growing in Christ. We're learning as we study God's word. And as you study God's word, you learn a new truth. And what are we supposed to do with that? Well, all right, I'm going to put this over here. And then so one day when things seem to be better, I think it looks better and everything, I'll start living that truth. No, that's not obedient. This this will be. Sometimes people will say to me, uh, well, you're the pastor. You're the preacher. You know a whole lot more truth than I do. Well, that may be true, may not be true. I don't know. That's not even the issue. Are you listening? That's not the issue. Yeah, we need to constantly grow and learn new truths for our lives, but the question is, what are we doing with what we have? What are we doing with what we know? If I were to send you home this afternoon and, and uh, maybe you probably need to do this before you have a big lunch and then kind of nod off for the afternoon. But, but if I were to send you home and say, just take a piece of paper and just write down the truth you do know. And then ask yourself, what am I doing with it? If I have an obedient spirit, then I am gratefully, with the gladness of heart, I'm building that into my life. So you guys say, well, yeah, I know this truth, but I'm not doing a whole lot with it. That's something then you need to address, of course. You understand what I'm saying? So here's what Jesus is saying. He says, look, first of all, you need to abide. Now, we're talking about prerequisites to this amazing promise. He says, here's the key abide in me, live in my presence and live by my precepts. In other words, you're just building all of this into your life. And then he says, now here's the second prerequisite. After abiding in me and my word abiding in you, I want you to ask. He said, what? Well, he says it here, doesn't he? If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask. Circle that. Don't assume. We allow our culture, we allow the, the concepts of the world of, uh, of what, is, you know, what is rightfully ours or what should. Listen, God knows everything we need in life. You know what he told us to do? Ask for it. Don't assume. Don't sit around and think, you know, well, God knows. Yeah, he knows. But he said, ask. 
scripture says in James chapter 4 verse 2, the latter part of that verse, we have not because we we ask not. We don't ask. Here's a verse that you won't see up on the screen, but you know it. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, he says, ask and you shall receive and seek and you shall knock. Or seeking you shall be find and knocking the door shall be open. So what's implied here? If you don't knock, the door stays shut. If you don't seek, you'll never find it. If you don't ask, you're not getting anything. It's not complicated. But it takes initiative by us. By faith, intentionally asking and seeking and knocking. So here's the picture. And it's, and it's amazing how simple this is. He says, look, here's my promise. Ask anything you wish and I promise you it'd be done for you. All you have to do is this. Abide in my presence and abide in my word. Live in my presence and live by my precepts and ask. It's like, but ask anything? Whatever you, how could Jesus say that? Well, here's the answer. Psalms 37.4. Look at this verse with me. It's an amazing verse. Listen to this. This is written by David. This is a psalm by David in a time in his life. You remember there was an occasion where David was just so connected to the Lord God. I mean, as a branch to the vine. I mean, it was, it was strong. It was healthy. And God said, here's a man after my own heart. What an incredible statement to be said by God about somebody else. And it was during this time that he wrote, this psalm, verse 4, he says, delight yourself in the Lord. Translate, New Testament. Live in his presence. Strong, healthy connection. Consistently a strong, healthy connection. Living in his presence. Living by his precepts. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Don't misunderstand it. He's not saying I give you whatever you want in that verse. He's saying when you delight in the Lord or I delight in the Lord, you want desires come up in my heart? They're from God himself. All of a sudden, my desires are really his desires. Because they're in harmony with his will. They're in harmony with his word. They're in harmony with his ways. Why? Because I'm living in his presence. And I'm living by his precepts. And so everything about the heart of God becomes, it gets... Uh, growing right there in my own heart so that when that is true, Jesus said, look, when, when you're there, then all you got to ask whatever you wish and it'll be done. 
because you're asking exactly what the Lord desires to do. Again, it's not complicated. It's just that it's a choice of just how much you want to see and experience the Lord in and through your life. Yes. This world is in a mess. Maybe more than it's ever been in history. We say it that way simply because we can only we're only living in the present. And because now with the with the internet and everything, we see everything going on across the earth where they didn't have that. But there's no question in my heart and mind that we're going down one or two paths. I tend to lean towards right around the corner there's this strong delusion. If you want to learn about that, come on Sunday nights right in here as we study the signs of the time together. But we need God's people not just saying, hey, we need to pray. What we need is God's people living in his presence, living by his precepts, so that when we pray, God purposes to answer and to fulfill that request. So Father God, right now, it's important for us to not just hear the word, but as you tell us in your word, we ought to be doers of the word. So I just stand before you right now for myself and for all that are here. And Lord, we look up to you. You're on your throne. You always have been. You're the most high God. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're coming. And Lord God, we need you. It is earth to God. We need you right now. We need your light. We need your love. We need you to heal this world you made. We need you, Lord, to intervene. May your will be done. And it may be time for the return, Lord Jesus, for your return. But we need discernment. And we need your grace either way. So may it be. May your spirit speak to every one of us here. Start with me. How important it is to abide in you and your word abide in us so that when we ask, you answer. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.